Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms from around the globe. I'm your host, Steve Hirschfeld. Well, today is Tuesday, which makes it a special day, because on Tuesdays, we have what's called Travel Tuesday, where each week we get the chance to dial in one of our members from around the globe to share with us what it's like to do business in their jurisdiction. Today, we'll be learning a little bit more about the great state of Delaware. I'm pleased to welcome to our show, Lauren Russell and Allery Kephart from Young Conaway. Thank you so much for having us. Lovely to be here. So Delaware is a pretty interesting state. It's a small state, but it packs a big punch. And we all know Delaware, well, for a lot of reasons, it was the first state in the United States, but more importantly, in today's environment, it's the home of Joe Biden, President of the United States. And maybe more importantly, for some reason, and I want you guys to explain this, it seems like every major corporation in the globe is incorporated in Delaware, which I think particularly for folks outside the United States, they'd like to understand what that's all about. So maybe we could start there. So why does Delaware have this outside presence, larger than life presence in American business law today? Can you guys explain that to us? Sure. So I'll take the first question. This is Allery. So Delaware, as you said, is is a very interesting state, and it has a very strong legal tradition of being really on the forefront of all kind of corporate and business issues. And as we know, the market loves certainty, right? So Delaware has a special court called the Court of Chancery, which is really dedicated to very sophisticated business issues. So both on the investor side and on the formation side, you know, boards of directors that they love to serve on boards of Delaware corporations because there's a lot of certainty. They, they know what they're getting into. There's a very well-developed body of law around fiduciary duties. And as a result of having a, a wonderful court system, you also have you know, a legislature that is very invested on staying really on the forefront of all major developments in corporate law. So the Delaware lawyers work very closely with the Delaware legislator that as you know, new business issues come up, the statutes are updated very frequently on a yearly or, or sometimes even bi-yearly basis to, to really stay out in front of any issues to, to continue to provide that certainty. So that's been a, a really, really large driver. And then, you know, again, markets love certainty. Delaware entities, both corporations, LLCs, partnerships, you know, they're very well known and well accepted in the marketplace. So, you know, lenders coming in or private equity investors, they, they really know what they're getting into. There's a level of comfort and familiarity with using Delaware entities as well. So let's say I'm a, I don't know, I'm an investor from somewhere in East Asia and I buy a business in the Midwest of the United States. Can I just like establish myself as a Delaware corporation without even having a physical presence there? How does it work and why would I care? Again, part of our wonderful state is that it, it is relatively easy to establish either forming an LLC or a limited partnership or incorporating a corporation, you do not have to maintain a physical presence in the state. The way that it works is similar to how it works in other states in that you have to maintain what's called a registered agent. So you have to essentially contract with a third party who is physically located in the state such that they can receive service of process for you and so there is there is a nexus there in the sense that you know you, you do have a relationship with a registered agent provider, but you know, there are many, many, many <laughs> entities that are formed in Delaware, but there's no one that operates in the state of Delaware for that particular entity. 
So, Lauren, I know there are actual employers in state with actual <laughs> employees and you're an employment lawyer. So tell us a little bit about that. Let's assume that a foreign corporation moves in to the states and decides to set up a headquarters or an operation in Delaware. What should they know about the sort of HR legal landscape? Yeah. So let's start with the relationship between employers in the Delaware Court of Chancery, which is a lot of what drives business here in the state. When you are a private equity investor, when you are acquiring a new business, you have a vested interest in retaining key employees. And the way you do that is through restrictive covenants. And the Delaware Court of Chancery, in addition to interpreting the law that governs corporations and alternative entities, is the place where we spend most of our time enforcing restrictive covenants. So again, there's a very well-developed body of case law and a very, very sophisticated judiciary who understands the mindset and the motives of, of investors and business owners, and also the necessity of movement of labor in the market and how to balance those considerations. So what I'd say to any foreign individual or or company looking to do business here is this is a great place to seek to enforce restrictive covenants. Although there's been a a developing body of case law that says, look, if, if, if you're trying to skirt the laws of another state, such as California, that we're not going to be party to that sort of shenanigans. But, you know, generally speaking, this is a place where enforcement of contracts is very predictable. Let's talk about that for a minute, because this whole area of NDAs, mm-hmm. non-competes, restrictive covenants, protecting trade secrets, this is one of the hottest topics for non-U.S. businesses doing business here. They open up a company or they acquire a business and they want to protect those assets, right? And as you correctly pointed out in California, as a general rule, we don't allow for them. There's some quirky exceptions. But let's say that I'm, let's put California aside and let's say that, you know, I open an operation up in Massachusetts or West Virginia, but I decide to pick Delaware for my corporation's quote unquote headquarters and also the choice of law to enforce these non-competes. How does it work? Does that mean that if an executive leaves Boston and goes to New York and I want to stop him and her from doing it, I go into the Delaware courts and how successful is it? to enforce non-competes at a place like Delaware. That's exactly what happens. The Delaware Court of Chancery is very receptive to enforcing choice of law and venue provisions, provided that we're talking about sophisticated parties. If you have a, a janitorial employee in North Dakota and you try to drag him or her into court in Delaware, you're going to get get the hairy eyeball from one of our vice chancellors. Well, that's kind of a slippery slope, right? So in other words... How do you figure out if you're, quote unquote, taking advantage of somebody? Is it only a senior executive? Can it be a mid-level manager, a salesperson? How does the court slice and dice that up? Well, so you're really looking at questions of relative sophistication, right? So the court talks very frequently about sophisticated parties represented by counsel in arm's length transactions. The court, in a decision called Delaware Elevator that I want to say was issued around 2011, really questioned whether it was appropriate to restrict lower income individuals and questioned the application of blue penciling in situations like that, where it encourages Delaware employers or Delaware entities to overreach. But that being said, the types of enforcement actions that I see predominantly are against high-level sales employees 
who have multi-million dollar books of business and executives, C-suite executives. And you know, when, when I talked about private equity investment, we're, we're talking about key employee retention. So those are the kinds of situations that I'd expect the court to be focusing on it. I'll be honest, in my 13 years of practice, I haven't seen with my clients a lot of overreach in terms of trying to restrict people who really don't have any access to confidential business information that would provide an unfair market advantage. Got it. Hey, so before we wrap things up, Allery, let's move in a different direction outside of the law for a minute and just talk about the business climate. So we all know there are corporate headquarters in, in Delaware, or at least they incorporate themselves. What kind of businesses do you folks mostly represent in Delaware where they have boots on the ground? What sort of industries are primarily in the state? Can you give us a little sense for that? So it's interesting. As Delaware has become you know, more of kind of a location for formation of, of entities, that has kind of borne out its own, its own industry in and of itself, right? So we have a lot of legal industry in Delaware. We also have a big banking sector as well. And it's interesting because you have, you know, the legal and banking side of things. And then, you know, you have very much a, a strong agricultural industry as well. So it's an interesting dynamic between the two. And if you're ever in, you know, Wilmington and, and you're, you're, into, I mean, you're, you're surrounded by, by very large institutional, you know, banks and they maintain a, a very, very strong presence in Delaware. Got it. Well, listen, it's been great speaking with you both. If you want to connect with either Lauren or Allery, you can find their bios by clicking on their names in the description of this podcast. Please visit ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, and on-demand content from our online library, and importantly, access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance the world's largest network of labor employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Steve Hirschfeld. Thanks for listening.